Hello and welcome to GradCast. Back in August, myself, Roger Hudson, and my co-host, Yimin Chen, were on location at the Western University Graduate Symposium on Music 2017. And over the next 30 minutes, you'll get to hear two different interviews from students from across the United States and Canada speaking about their research on music. Thank you for listening. How are you doing, Ian? Oh, awesome. We have a sort of special uh, episode broadcasting from WUGSAW, which is the Western University Graduate Symposium of Music here at uh, the lovely University of Western Ontario. We have with us uh, Adam Roy, the coordinator. Hi. Hi. <laughs> and Chantal Lamar, the all-around uh, good person, I believe. Yeah, that's good. Is, that's is your title? Yeah. Officially. And <laughs> also a uh, GradCast committee member herself. So can you tell us a little bit about this symposium? What is WUGSAW? Yeah, for sure. So as you said, it's the Western University Graduate Symposium on Music. And this is its 18th year. And this is my first year coordinating it. And every year it grows. And this year we have 16 speakers coming across from all of North America. Um, we have people from U of T, McGill. Madison, Wisconsin, Houston, everywhere, um, and they all come to Western to speak about their research. That's really cool. So how did you get involved as coordinator for this symposium? Um, it's actually an elected position within our society. Um, so last year I ran on it. I ran on a post for probably some good reasons um, <laughs> that I'm learning very quickly. But um, yeah, so I put my name forward to do it, and I quite like doing it. So I like organizing conferences and events like these to promote graduate research. I think it's important. Is this your first opportunity to do such a thing? Um, yes. Such a thing with music, yes. I've coordinated a lot of uh, music, direct music directing in the past, so I'm comfortable with a lot of people and music as a topic, obviously, um, but not a symposium, yeah. And Chantel, what got you involved in this conference today? Um, well, uh, I think a few years back I, I got involved with our Society for Graduate um, uh, Students in Music and, um, and as Adam said, it's an elected position through that, that council and so um, my good friend uh, Kristen Wallentinson uh, has, had run it the previous two years and um, I worked closely with her to sort of um, uh, put together a kind of handbook on how to organize this conference. As Adam said, it's been running for 18 years, but not by the same students. <laughs> um, we do graduate and <laughs> change. So um, uh, we, um, so when Kristen and I started, there was a, a sort of like information loss as to how this sort of conference went together. So, um, so I got involved in like sort of using some of my experience organizing conferences in the past and um, and we sort of figured it out and Adam took it over this year and I feel like he really ran with it in, in quite some uh, innovative ways. So for those of us who have not had the good fortune to attend a symposium on music ourselves, can you tell us a little bit about what this event looks like or is about? Yeah, so um, so it's a, it's a conference, right? So it's a two, two days of um, of papers um, organized into sort of like different kind of topics or genres or sometimes according to composers. Um, so we started our conference off this year with a graduate student workshop uh, that was ran uh, run by um, 
uh, Dr. Jonathan D'Souza, one of our professors here at Western, and it was on um, musical embodiment and um, instruments, yeah. um, which I think was really uh, an interesting sort of thing for us to be able to do. Um, and then we jumped right into uh, sessions on Ron Williams, um, sessions on uh, music topics in music education, Whole number of things. Yeah. There's the, so many, it's hard to keep them all, you know? <laughs> the topic of musical embodiment, so that's, that's really interesting to me. Can you explain more about what exactly that is? Yeah, so um, it has a lot to do with sort of like the physicality of, um, of music making, um, or, the, or how our instruments uh, are sort of play a significant role in the types of music or the types of sounds that we that that we make um, and uh, the professor I mentioned dr. Jonathan Sousa he uh, he's just finished a book on that very topic and so he brings a sort of like incredible knowledge to the area and I think the idea of embodiment of our physicality um, and uh, and what music sort of does through our bodies or through the body of the instrument uh, it can can really uh, give an interesting perspective on how we think about what music even is. So I have a question aimed at Adam here. Uh, you mentioned that near the beginning that um, you uh, very quickly learned how much work is involved in your role as coordinator. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about what's involved? Um, yeah, everything from booking rooms, planning food, uh, asking gradcast to come visit us. No, um, thank you very much. Yeah, it started. Most of it starts in about February. Uh, that's when the planning starts. I have some meetings with our associate dean here of graduate studies to get some ideas, and then we move forward from there. And we've had a, a lovely faculty and staff that supports us. That the dean's office is great for doing that. And from there, I just send out call for papers and have a program committee and. It kind of just falls into place. July is kind of the month where everything needs to be organized and then it just launches in August. For such a high profile international conference, I'd imagine uh, getting everything together is pretty, uh, pre pretty big ordeal. It is, yeah. This year we also, uh, as a society, launched our own website for that very reason. Um, it's important that we can't just connect to internationally people on Facebook or Twitter. I mean, it's it's indeed difficult in the music theory realm at least and the music realm in general and scholarship. Um, so we launched our own website and we did call for papers that way and we post on all of the Music Society's uh, CFP boards. Yeah. Okay, um, so for people who are perhaps thinking of maybe starting up their own symposium or a conference process or perhaps for uh, your successors in this position, is there any um, you know handy tips, any good, thoughtful advice that you care to give? Um, my advice and my kind of my line of thinking in this whole process was, although we're graduate students, we can always do better. And so the first thought you have when you're organizing a conference, that's good, but we can always do better, is how I thought this whole conference. And I've been told it plays out well, um, and that's really my advice for anyone organizing a conference. The first thought is good, but it can always be better. Did you have any uh, specific overarching goals for when you started to put together the conference and to, as to how to make this one better than the rest? Yeah, so formerly we had a room in Talbot College that we used to host a symposium in, and this year it's now in Vancouver Hall, which is brand new music building, brand new hall, uh, state-of-the-art facility, so I'm really happy that that kind of elevated it past just a lecture hall. Mm -hmm. And um, 
our workshop did that as well, and probably missing some things. Well, when you do as much as you've done, Ryan, I'm sure uh, you're bound to miss out on a few things. Yeah. So, what about the wrap up to this uh, conference? Is there any? Uh, do you, are you involved at all in sort of tear down in what comes after? I'm involved in every aspect. I think I've been here since 7 a.m. Friday morning, and it's now late on Saturday afternoon. And I when, just don't when he leave. Says, when he says every aspect, he means every aspect from opening all the rooms, from making sure that all the sound is working, from making sure the presentations are happening on time, from making sure that people are in the right place and know where to go, where they have their food. Yeah. It's, it's really incredible to watch. and. Uh, this <laughs> this year, our elevator was broken in Talbot College, and my office happens to be on the fourth floor, oh, wow. and that's where every single supply was for this conference. So I check my Apple, I, my iPhone all the time to see how many <laughs> steps I've gone, and it's just I just stopped looking at this point. The stair climber must. Just, yeah. This feels great for fitness as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Is there um, sort of conference proceedings that you're planning to put out after this? Um, we haven't in the past. Uh, done conference proceedings. I think that's something looking forward that we should do because the work done at this conference is just so, it's of such a high quality. Um, so I would like to do that moving forward, yes. Something for uh, next year. Yeah, 2018. Yeah. Perhaps. Okay, well, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you very much for, for inviting uh, Gradcast to WhatsApp. Is there any. Um, special thanks you'd like to give out. Well, we would also like to thank GradCast Absolutely. for uh, supporting us and uh, and the, uh, your mandate for sharing uh, research for graduate students, I think, is uh, quite inspiring for us, and so it's great to partner with you. Um, yeah, I'd first like to thank our keynote speaker, Dr. Julie Penaud-Delaurier from the University of Ottawa. Um, she's giving an excellent talk on Claire Vick-Schumann. Um, fascinating brand new research coming out, so that's great to hear. And Jonathan D'Souza, our own uh, in-faculty workshop presenter. We definitely need to send um, uh, uh, deepest thanks to um, the Society of Graduate Students, to the School of Graduate and Postdoctoral Studies, and to Western Research, who um, support us through the joint fund to run, mm -hmm. to run our conference. Um, yeah. Uh, more thanks, there's so many to go around. Uh, the Don White Faculty of Music and its staff and Western Libraries has donated uh, significantly to this endeavor. And then also all of all of the committee members that sit on the Society of Graduate Students in Music, SOG SIM, the program committee that, evaluated, that uh, went through all of the submissions that we had. Um, Roger and Yemen are excellent grad cast hosts. If we one of the student volunteers, um, but I think most importantly, I think a biggest thanks is for everyone who came to the conference. It was really well attended, and every uh, talk was was uh, people engaged in, and it sparked a lot of discussion. And I know that for myself, I'll be thinking about a lot of new ideas over the next several months from from this really exciting event. Absolutely, for sure. And if you stay tuned to Bradcast, we'll have a couple interviews with some of the presenters at uh, Luxon this year. We are obviously very honored to be a part of Wugsum 2017, and we have a whole host of fantastic guests on schedule. So stay tuned for that. Thank you very much.
You are listening to GradCast, the official podcast of the Society of Graduate Students. My name is Roger, and I'm joined by my co-host, Yemen. How are you doing, Yemen? I'm doing well. Thanks very much, Roger. And we have a very interesting guest today. We are uh, joined here by Daniel Robinson from the University of Toronto. How are you doing, Daniel? Doing good. Fantastic. Welcome to Western. Uh, We are here at WUGSUM 2017, the Western University Graduate Student Symposium on Music. Uh, Daniel, you're here uh, talking about some of your research today. You're a presenter here at the conference. Uh, would you like to t- start us off talking a little bit uh, about what brought you here, what got you into uh, your research today? Sure. So I guess if you guys want, I can just talk about a little bit about who I am. I'll take a little second of self-obsession. Oh, no worries. Um, but, <laughs> so um, I'm a master's student and a graduate fellow at the University of Toronto um, in the voice pedagogy program. So that is just basically a sector of music education that's specifically looking at singing. Um, and then I have two kind of main research interests. First, I'm looking at diversity in Canadian music. And then on the totally other side of things, maybe not totally different, um, we're looking at how singing and kind of the exercises used in voice pedagogy can be applied to help trans women um, and that population. Very, very interesting. Now, you, you mentioned pedagogy a, a few times during that uh, explanation. Do you mind just explaining or expanding on that a little bit? Or? Yeah, of course. Sorry, pedagogy is just kind of a fancy academic world, word for teaching. teaching. Um, so it's it literally just means teaching, and a pedagogue is a teacher. Fantastic. <laughs> so you're looking within the voice teaching uh, aspect of things here. Yes. Fantastic. So you mentioned uh, voice pedagogy as it relates to trans women. Is that what you presented on here today? Yes. Um, So the talk today, um, if just offer a little summary and some context, I guess, is we were looking at um, so the trans women population in general, and I apologize in advance, I'm using a lot of generalizations for simplicity. Um, Mm -hmm. And this is a very, very complex, complex topic. when trans women start to transition, especially when they're post-puberty, um, these individuals have, again, gone through what is called biologically male puberty. So their voices have dropped. Um, and the increase in testosterone in the bloodstream has caused their voice box, or what is anatomically called the larynx, which produces a voice to kind of thicken. And this is really irreversible hormonally. Um, And so we were talking about the different interventions that are used to help this population um, with what is called, and I'll use this word many times, gender dysphoria, um, which when we talk about gender dysphoria and specifically here voice-related gender dysphoria, it's um, any distress that an individual feels due to an incongruence between their expressed gender, which in the terms of trans women is feminine, and their um, assigned gender at birth, um, which in the terms of many trans women is male. Um, and when we're looking at voice-related gender dysphoria, it's primarily to the fact that despite physically presenting and trying to live a life as a female, um, their voices still sound very masculine. And this can be a source of a lot of distress in specifically in this community. And this is a generalization. Some mm-hmm. individuals have are expressed as feminine, have their birth voices, and are very, very comfortable and feel this is an essential part of their identity and who they are. Um, and then further on that, I should just kind of bring back the whole voice pedagogy area, is um, we're trying to look at in terms of interventions. 
Right now, the two main options that are available for trans women who are hoping to alleviate symptoms of voice-related gender dysphoria are surgical, um, so we're kind of invasively going into the larynx or the voice box and changing things so the pitch is raised, um, or speech therapy, and this is just working through with a speech pathologist, exercises to help make the voice sound more feminine or whatever feminine means to the individual. Um, but the problem is, is that there's still there's still a lot of individuals that don't aren't satisfied with this process mm -hmm. and still don't feel that they, their feminine identity is fully expressed through the voice. And so I was thinking, um, what are other options that we could potentially offer? And one of those, as a voice pedagogue, I was thinking could be um, singing. And if you kind of look at the world of speech therapy and the world of voice pedagogy, you'll realize that there's increasingly or a huge amount of similarities in the basic concepts. We're trying to manipulate the functions of the larynx, we're trying to manipulate the functions of the vocal tracts so of our mouth, our nasal cavity, um, and our throat to produce a certain sound. And it's we're just basically in two different contexts. One is to help the pathology reduce discomfort of a population with speech therapy. And for voice training, generally, we assume that it's just you're trying to teach people how to sing. Mm -hmm. But I'm trying to see if we take the exercises used in singing and apply those to speech therapy um, in addition to conventional speech therapy, can we help the, income, uh, the outcomes? Um, and I'll just quickly add that, I guess, that the reason this kind of came about is this idea that if you, there's different approaches to things and people respond differently to different interventions. And just, and I'll equate it to um, when you're teaching strategies, some students respond better to auditory or visual stimuli, where others, uh, and especially I find as someone who works with pediatric students a lot, um, respond better to kinesthetic and movement exercises. And right. so all we're looking at here is that can we offer like a different approach to the um, intervention? Can we have the speech therapy as one approach and singing as another approach? Oh, cool. So um, in some of my conversations with uh, people I've known, friends in music, um, several of them have referred to sort of the voice uh, as a kind of instrument. Mm -hmm. um, is are, are those some like techniques there that you can apply um, to help coach people with gender dysphoria? And what sort of techniques are you thinking about in terms of of this teaching? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I should clarify that when we're looking at using kind of singing techniques mm -hmm. and the vocal instrument, as you said, um, in helping this population, we're not trying to teach, or the goal isn't really to get or teach um, trans women how to sing. Right. We are using the concepts used in voice training to help um, and then applying them to their speaking voice. Um, so if you think about the vocal instrument, I'll give you an example, is um, one of the goals in, um, in general in feminizing the voice is we want to add a little bit more breadth to the sound. Okay. Um, and these gross generalizations. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, and so a vocal exercise you can do for this is we add H's behind um, the vowel that we're singing. So if I give an example, oh, yeah, that please. Help? Um, so if I was going to do without an H, I'll back a little bit, I feel like, oh, 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 and then adding an H behind it creates, oh, oh, 
pull, and we add a little bit of a breathy timbre or resonance to the sound. And so if we get um, individuals who experience voice-related gender dysphoria in the trans women community to go through an exercise like this, then we'd say, okay, what sensations are you feeling in your front of your face? What sensations are you feeling in your throat? And how can we try speaking in the same way that you were just singing where you had that little bit of breathiness? And then by applying those concepts, getting a bit of breathiness to their voice. What an interesting take on uh, approaching and trying to treat this uh, discrepancy that's probably affecting a very large number of uh, individuals. Mm -hmm. And uh, you, you mentioned that uh, this can be applied not only to individuals that are uh, actively engaging in singing, but, but also to individuals that are just trying to maintain a more feminine, feminized voice. Mm -hmm. uh, is there any other uh, potential applications that you can see for your research in this context? Um, I, that was a very good question. Uh, I guess I just want to hamper that the, the only really area that we are interested in is, is helping the speaking voice. Um, no real part of the research is trying to increase the singing voice of trans women, but although that's very cool, that would be awesome. Um, and the whole reason this research came along was um, I saw an interview by Jordan Gray, who was a trans who was a trans woman individual who participated on the voice competition. And so for her singing it was a way to express her feminine identity and and she was a singer. And that's what got this whole kind of thought process going. So having this voice training just for the sake of singing is great. But again, um, this isn't totally answering your question, I'm sorry. Um, the focus is really applying it to, to the speaking voice. Beyond that um, if you really extrapolate potentially, it is just trying to find kind of an argument behind that arts education and music education is important and has applications beyond the classroom. That right now that it's in a bit of potentially a bubble and we're trying to break out of that and apply it to maybe other populations as well. So is there uh, going to be maybe um a practical component to the work you're doing? Do you hope to try to design some of these techniques or, or teach some courses for people to yeah, learn so talk? Our, yeah, our hope is this year, hopefully, um, to run a little pilot study um, where we're comparing just speech therapy interventions by themselves with a cohort or a group of people who are um, go through both speech therapy and kind of singing exercise-based speech therapy and just going to see if there's a difference in outcomes or if there's any really validity behind doing a potentially bigger study. Um, so that's what we hope to do. Oh, cool. And are you considering um, your master's studies here? Is, is this sort of a terminal degree for you or do you have any plans at all to continue <laughs> on? And perhaps... I, I mean, the question of what do you want to do next was just <laughs> an existential crisis waiting to happen. Um, but the hopes is yes, is to kind of continue this through a doctoral degree um, or kind of find a way to just apply this straight ahead to a clinical setting. All right. Um, and then maybe do a relevant PhD eventually. <laughs> so this is sort of the area that you would like to focus on, at least in the near sort of foreseeable future. Yeah, yes, let's say that. <laughs> Very interesting. <clears throat> You've given us a, a great uh, explanation of your of your topic today, Daniel. Your, your conference uh, uh, presentation title was Finding Your Inner Diva. Uh, voice therapy and the transgender voice. I want to thank you very much for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. I wish me. you uh, all the best in your future studies. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you. Uh, have a wonderful day, everybody. Take care.